Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, I'm going to answer a few questions that have come in after I've done a few of these episodes on the Arizona elk uh, and antelope draw. So bear with me here and let's go through some of these questions. I want to thank you guys for submitting your questions. I'm always happy to answer questions. I appreciate you guys sending me emails. You can do so. Uh, at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can also send me a message through Instagram or on my J. Scott Outdoors Business Facebook page. Uh, you can send me messages through there. Uh, so let's get right to the questions. I wanted to give my top five or six picks for uh, Arizona archery elk and... I think it's important here to point out that this is just my opinion. Uh, taking the number one spot is uh, 23 South. I think 23 South is the best archery elk hunt in the state of Arizona. Uh, but I think on, on, on public land, I think the flip side of that is it's also one of the toughest. The access to get around in Unit 23 South is very, very difficult. Uh, you probably need to have a quad or a ranger or, or some sort of side-by-side. -side. Make sure you have some spare tires. Uh, the roads are not easy. It's very pockety, uh, but you can probably uh, shoot a pretty big bull if you have the archery hunt. Uh, the next the next best hunt is kind of a tie. I think 23 North is a very good archery hunt. Uh, you have much better access in 23 North than you do in 23 South. Uh, there seems to be elk everywhere in 23 North from, from the pines all the way down to the transition, kind of the pinion juniper country uh, from east to west. 23 North is stacked with elk where 23 South is very, very pockety. Uh, but you have a chance to find a, a big, big bull. It's harder to get around in south. North is pretty much you can drive anywhere uh, with a pickup truck. Any, you know, you don't need four-wheel drive very much. Um, and, you know, you've got everything from glass and big ponderosa pine burn areas to, you know, thick pinion juniper. Uh, the, the elk in 23 north are pretty thick and, and they bugle pretty good. Uh, the bugling is probably going to be better in 23 North than it is in 23 South. Uh, and then Unit 9, I think, is right up there tied kind of for number two. Uh, I believe Unit 9 is uh, probably an overrated unit. I think it gets way more press than the other units. And I think it's slipped a little bit in quality. Uh, the thing that I do like about Unit 9 is the fact that there is... Uh, only 100 archery tags. There are no cow tags. Uh, I like the fact that Unit 9 is uh, surrounded by um, the, on the north, the Grand Canyon National Park. Uh, on the east side of Unit 9 is the Navajo Indian Reservation. Uh, on the west side, uh, there's, uh, you know, the Supai Reservation. And then as you slide down, you know, it, it, it borders Unit 10. Uh, I like the fact that there is uh, the park there and some of the biggest bulls that, that we've been accustomed to seeing over the last 20 years in, in Unit 9. A lot of those bulls reside on the park. Uh, if the conditions are right where we have a good antler growth year like I think we're going to have this year, uh, you know, from the moisture we've already had, um, 
you know, I think we could have a really good year in nine. Uh, as an archer, when you're looking at unit nine, in my mind, the best thing that could happen is two weeks prior to the archery hunt, it dries out. And those elk that are on the park are forced to come on to the public land in unit nine out onto the national forest. Uh, if it's really, really wet and those elk have water in the park in unit nine, uh, a, a lot of times they just, they stay in the park and they don't come on to the public. Um, if it's dry, you gotta, you, you have a chance to have one of those big giant bulls that, you know, we see the velvet pictures from some of the outfitters all summer long. Well, typically as soon as the rut starts, they, they definitely know where that, um, park line is and they're definitely take advantage of, you know, the sanctuary on the park. Uh, but definitely unit nine. I think, I think unit nine is, you know, a 350 plus bull unit. Um, I think 23 North, 23 South is a 350 plus. Uh, I think the highest end possibility is probably in 23 South out of those three. Uh, I think unit 23 North, you're going to have a lot of bulls in that uh, 310 to 340 range. I think in unit nine, you're going to have a ton of 320, 330, 340 bulls, handfuls of 350 type bulls, and then maybe a single handful of, you know, 360, 370, 380 type of bulls, um, you know, but with a good moisture, uh, like we have this year, I think unit nine, uh, you know, could potentially, uh, kick, you know, there are some big bulls around. It's just a matter of if they're on the park or not. And, um, you know, having a unit nine tag is nice uh, because it's easy to get to. Uh, if you live in Flagstaff, you could almost uh, hunt, uh, you know, out of your house. Uh, if you're a non-resident, uh, unit nine is very easy access. Uh, most, most all of the roads are, are, are really good. Um, if you get out on the Babbitt Ranch uh, out on the west, there are some roads that you know, or kind of rougher two tracks, but a lot of the forest service roads, a lot of them, you could drive a two wheel, uh, two wheel drive vehicle. Then I'm going to bump down into the unit 10, uh, unit one and unit 27s, and maybe even the three C. I think that kind of rounds out my top picks in speaking about unit 10, uh, unit 10. One of the things that I like this year is they drop the tags to a hundred, uh, bull tags, no cow tags. Uh, they've had it up as high as 200 uh, archery bull tags. Uh, I like the fact that they're down to 100. Uh, 100 people in Unit 10, I believe, spreads out uh, a lot better in Unit 10 as opposed to Unit 9. Uh, unit 9 is a lot thicker, uh, has a lot more ponderosa pine. Unit 10 is uh, mostly pinion juniper. Uh, you know, cedar country, lower country, uh, it's got a, quite a bit of, uh, you know, knobs that you can get up on in, in unit 10. Um, you can get up and you can glass, uh, you've got the Boquias ranch, which makes up a big portion of unit 10. Uh, there's some other, uh, private pieces, some other checkerboarded private pieces that you can't have access, but unit 10 has a lot of great public hunting. Uh, you can go to, I think it's huntbigbowranch.com if you draw unit 10 and for $80, you can have full access, uh, on the Boquias ranch. 
Um, now keep in mind, they made some ranch rules, no quads on the Bokeas ranch. Um, you cannot sit, uh, water holes, uh, on the Bokeas ranch in unit 10. Uh, there is some national forest service, uh, property on unit 10, kind of in the South, uh, uh, South East portion of the unit kind of by Williams. Uh, and then it goes all the way up and borders the Wallapai reservation kind of on that North, uh, West corner. It borders the soup by, uh, up there on the far North, uh, border. Uh, and it's a big unit and it's a lot tougher to get around in unit 10 than it is in unit nine. I think if they can leave the archery bull tags, um, at a hundred and do that for maybe two or three years, I think we could see some quality come back in unit 10. I also noticed that they lowered the uh, late rifle tags, uh, down, I believe to 400 from 500. I think that will help. And, um, so yeah, I'm expecting good things out of unit 10. I think any bull over 350, uh, should be a target. And, uh, you know, when it's all said and done out of the hundred, I'll bet you there'll be eight or 10 bulls that are killed over 350, uh, out of the hundred tags. Uh, okay. So that then leaves me with unit one, 27 and three C. Uh, unit one is probably, uh, the highest elevation elk unit in our state. It's a very big unit. Uh, there's 300 tags, which is the only thing about the unit one hunt that I don't like. There's 300 tags and there's a ha- there's a bunch of, uh, I want to say 65, but I'm not exactly sure. I don't have it right here in front of me. Uh, cow tags in unit one, make sure to check it in your regs. Um, so there's quite a bit of pressure in people. Uh, I had a friend that hunted it a couple years ago, said it was hard to find a camp spot that there, you know, a place to even camp. There were so many people, but there's a ton of elk in unit one. Uh, I think, uh, unit one, you know, could be the best unit in the state of Arizona. Uh, if, if they would reduce the tags to 150 for years, unit one was 150. The wallow fire came in and, um, uh, it, 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 it it burned the whole unit. And so it ra- they, it started opening up areas for elk and there's a bunch of elk. So they raised the tags to 300. And I think that really whacks the quality. Uh, again, I think 350 plus bull is doable. Um, most of unit one is pretty accessible. Uh, there are some wilderness areas uh, that you can walk into the Mount Baldy wilderness um, and the Escadilla wilderness. Uh, and, um, but there are quite a few people. I think that's the only downside to unit one. Uh, then you've got unit 27. Unit 27 is actually a unit that I've never spent any time in. Uh, but going off of what a lot of people say that wallow fire, uh, has really helped it, but they've also increased the tags in there in 27, uh, 27 also borders the San Carlos Indian Reservation, so there's always a chance that a big giant uh, could come across. And it also borders uh, New Mexico on the east. So uh, 27, uh, in my mind, is uh, there is a chance for a really big bull in 27. Uh, I think most of the people are, are, you know, they congregate in the burn area. Um, which is, which is not a bad idea because that's when there's a burn area, most of the elk flock to that, but you know, where the elk are, the people are going to be also. 
And then I think that takes us down to unit 3C. Uh, unit 3C, 3A, 3C, I believe there's 125 uh, bull tags, archery bull tags in 3C. And uh, 3C also had the Rodeo Chetiskai fire uh, years ago. I've done some podcasts with Daniel Franco of Burnt Timber Outfitters. You can go on their site and see some of the tremendous bulls. One of the things that 3C has going for it is on the south part of the unit, uh, it borders the White Mountain Apache uh, Indian Reservation. And so during the rut, those bulls tend to come up what I would call up on top and cross over into unit 3C uh, and come to rut. And you never know what you're going to get with the 3C tag. Any of these units that border uh, the White Mountain Apache, which Unit 23 uh, uh, South does, Unit 23 North does on the west side, uh, Unit 3C does on the north side of the White Mountain Apache, uh, Unit uh, 1 borders it on the east side, and uh, 27 gets down there in the corner and, and mostly on the San Carlos uh, there on the east side of Unit uh, 27. But back to 3C, uh, there are some cow tags at the same time. Uh, Unit 3C has pretty good access. Kind of Heber, Arizona, and Sholo, Arizona are kind of right there um, along the Highway 260. Uh, Provides pretty good linear access from east to west to be able to get from one part of the unit to the other. Most of the road access is pretty good. Uh, You can get most anywhere in Unit 3A, 3C uh, uh, with just a a two-wheel drive uh, truck. I I, I don't recommend a two-wheel drive truck, but, you know, a four-by-four truck, you can get pretty much everywhere in the whole unit. Uh, You don't need quads. Um, There there is kind of a travel management road area um, that the Forest Service has tried to enforce and had, had struggled with. Um, I wish they, it's a double-edged sword. If they have it, I think they should enforce it or not have it at all. Um, but some, some high quality bulls, it, it, you know, I think out of the tags, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, five to seven bulls get killed, you know, 350 plus in, uh, unit 3C. So there you have it, guys. That's kind of my top pick for, uh, archery elk in Arizona. That's probably one of the questions that I get most ask the most. Uh, and I want to, uh, also in the rest of this podcast, I want to answer a few questions that have come in since, uh, the podcast with, uh, Brian Rimza and, uh, uh, some of the other podcasts talking about the Arizona elk draw. The first question comes from E period Talamantes on Instagram. Jay, I religiously listen to your podcasts Great source of information and always update my feed to listen to the latest episode. I am from Texas and looking to elk hunt for the first time. My question for you is on points for Arizona. I want to accumulate points. I want to start accumulating points. Do points transfer to different species of game? Example, can I use points for elk draw or mule deer? Or is there separate points for elk and separate points for mule deer? Thanks for your help and and your podcast, Eli. Uh, Eli, the answer is your points are specific for that species. In other words, 
your elk points can only be used for elk and your deer points can only be used for deer. One of the interesting things with the uh, Arizona uh, big game applications on deer is there's two species of deer in Arizona, mule deer and coos whitetail deer. And the, uh, the, the deer points are the same. So you don't have coos deer points and mule deer points, uh, as well as we have three types of turkeys uh, in Arizona. We have the Goulds, the Merriams, and the Rio Grands, and all you have is turkey points, so they're not specific uh, within the species. Uh, obviously, antelope and sheep and javelina, those points are all good for those species. Now, I'm going to go ahead and answer another question that I got uh, in the last couple days, and that is, do I have to apply for hunts or can I specifically just apply for a bonus point? And the answer is you can just buy a bonus point. If you're a non-resident, uh, you're going to have, I think it's roughly $150. It might be $160. And then you're going to have a 15. I believe the, the uh, bonus point, uh, just to get a bonus point, you have to fill out an application and that's $15. And there is a designation right at the top when you fill your application online, it will say bonus point only. And you simply just check that box. And that means you're not actually applying for any hunts. You're just buying a bonus point. Now, in order to get that bonus point, you have to buy a valid Arizona hunting license, whether you're a resident or a non-resident. Uh, and so obviously resident hunting license is going to be cheaper than a non-resident. But for a non-resident, um, you know, you're looking at roughly $160, $170, uh, give or take. I don't have the exact figures in front of me. Uh, you're going to have, you know, that every year you're going to have to eat that cost. Now, if you go ahead and apply for antelope and elk, and if you just do a bonus point, you have to apply for, you buy the license, then you have to apply your application for elk and just do a bonus point. And then you have to fill out an application for antelope and just do an antelope bonus point. So that's going to be two $15 charges per animal there. And then coming up here in, in June, May and June, when the deer and the sheep applications are due, you'll have already purchased your license. So you might as well fill out a bonus point for deer, bonus point for sheep, because you've already spent the majority of the money on the license. So Eli, I hope that helps. I think with Arizona's change, I think you also ought to consider just putting in and applying for an actual hunt in Arizona for elk because this is the first time, actually last season was the first season that uh, non-residents could draw with no points. Uh, so up until last year's change, uh, non-residents uh, really virtually had no chance at uh, some of these great tags. Well, this year you... you or as of last year, 
you could actually draw the best unit in the state. You could draw a unit 9 tag, a 23 tag, a unit 10 tag, a unit 1 tag, a unit 3C tag, a unit 27 in the random draw. So I think you might as well try uh, for it. But if you just want to accumulate points, that's how you do it. Here's another question that's uh, come in. It says, hey, Jay, it's time for me to apply for elk in Arizona. Just wanted your opinion on where I should apply with 20 points and a 380-plus goal. Lofty goal, I know. Uh, I ask him the question, archery or rifle? Uh, He says, or muzzleloader, whatever it takes. I said 23 South archery and unit 9 archery would probably be his best bet. Uh, I told him that the 380 is somewhat of a pipe dream. Um, He says, I know, what's your thoughts on the early rifle hunt in 10? Uh, My thoughts on the early rifle hunt in 10 are this year there's 40 tags in unit 10. I like the fact that unit 10 only has 100 uh, archery bull tags and no cow tags. I think from a human presence standpoint and pressure on those elk, uh, I like the fact that the archery hunt in unit 10 is only 100. Therefore, I think the 40 tag hunt uh, that starts the day after, I believe the hunt goes from the 15th through the 28th, which is archery, and then the early rifle hunt starts on the 29th through the 5th. Uh, I think that the bulls should be bugling very, very well. Um, the one thing that the early rifle hunters have to understand is once they go after the archery hunters, uh, the bulls are jostled around quite a bit. Uh, all the scouting that you've done in the summer, all the scouting that you've done prior to the archery hunt starting, it kind of goes out the window because those hundred archers are going to go in there and jostle everything around. Uh, if I was, uh, Uh, the recipient of an early rifle tag I would make sure that I was there the seven days prior to the hunt starting so in other words the last seven days of the archery hunt now I would offer a bit of advice out there to people that are scouting for the early rifle hunt I would strictly be a glasser I would be up on uh, pick a bunch of different knobs and I would be glassing morning and night off of a different knob and trying to figure out, you know, where the archers had pushed the bulls, uh, where some of the better bulls were hanging and just kind of keep an eye on things. Uh, I think it's also a good idea to be talking to archers during the middle of the day. Now, keep in mind, you have an early rifle hunt. The last thing you want to do is go in there and bother the last week of these archers hunt. So I would stay away at a distance I wouldn't be trying to talk to anybody at prime time. I wouldn't be driving roads at prime time. I would get in in the dark, get up on a knob, be passive, just be up there glassing, looking around, observing what's going on, staying out of the way. If you happen to run into somebody up on a knob, you know, tell them I have an early rifle hunt. I'm, I'm no threat to you. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to interfere with any of your hunt. I'm just glassing and observing and people, people honor that. And when, when they, you know, they don't know if you're helping an archer and, you know, there's kind of this contentious, 
uh, feeling, just be upfront. I have an early rifle tag. I'm not here to, you know, inter, inter, interfere with your hunt in any way. And, and even if you're going to go off the knob, you say, Hey, I don't know where your hunter is. You know, is it okay if I walk from here down to my truck? That was my plan. I don't want to screw you guys up in any way. And, you know, I find that when you're like that with other hunters in the field, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, when we're done with this hunt, uh, you know, there might be a bull that, that you might want to know about. And if you were really nice to those people and, and respectful, maybe they'll give you a tip and maybe you can chase a, 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 a tip. Uh, I do like that unit 10 early rifle hunt. Uh, with that being said, I think the unit over the last four, five, six, seven years has taken quite a bit of beating, taken quite a bit of abuse. I don't think the quality is anything like it was uh, in 2005 uh, time frame, 0405, kind of that range. Um, but I still think a bull over 350 inches, both on the archery hunt and on the early rifle hunt, is, is achievable. He, uh, he goes on here in this question, I put in for the archery hunt in the 23s last year, and with the new non-resident draw, I'm a little depressed over it all. But then again, uh, he did draw a strip tag. Well, in, in my mind, the 23 hunts, whether you're talking about 23 North or 23 South for archery, both have 15 permits. And then I believe the 23 North uh, early rifle hunt has 20 permits. And I believe the 23 South uh, early rifle permit has five. Uh, we've talked about this on the podcast with Brian, on the podcast with Steve Chappell, uh, that any of the units that have less than 20 tags are going to go completely random. So what you need to understand, if you're a high bonus point holder, and let's say you're a non-resident with 20 points, you may think you have a really good chance to draw, quote unquote, the only non-resident tag in the 23s. That's how it used to be. After the new change, both of those 15 tag archery hunts in north and south, they go completely random. There can be up to one non-resident. There can be, but there could be 15 residents across the board. So I've been telling non-residents with a lot of points um, where 23 north and south used to be a good option. In my mind, mathematically, it's not a really good option anymore because you, you can only draw it in the random pool. In the first and second bonus pass, you, 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 um, you won't be drawing that tag. You'll be drawing it in the random pool. So I hope that helps. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, then, then uh, asked about the quality of um, bulls in Unit 9. We've talked about it before, but I'll just say, you know, 350 plus bull in unit nine, in my mind, uh, is a shooter. I'm not saying that there's not a handful of bulls that are bigger, uh, but our units nine and 10 and 23s and one and 27, 3C, you know, my say my top six, uh, the quality is not what it was 10 years ago. So pretty much across the board. Three, any 350 plus bull in any of those units, whether you're hunting with a rifle or hunting early rifle, I think that's a heck of a bull. And I go back to did since when did a 350 bull 
uh, not be a big bull. That's a big bull. And um, I would highly encourage people coming from out of state uh, to really think long and hard about, you know, if they're going to be passing up 350 bulls, uh, they better have a lot of intel. They better have a really good guy that's, you know, has been doing a lot of scouting, and you better have a really good reason to be passing up a 350-plus bull. Okay, the next question comes from Nate. I put in as a non-resident for 18A late rifle elk first choice with five points and 23 late archery as second choice. Which hunt would you recommend? I'm a bow hunter first, but I don't mind using a rifle. I'm looking to have a good time and have opportunities. I'd love to hear your opinion. I can still modify my application. Well, if I look at, uh, if you're an archer, I think you ought to consider um, some of these late archery hunts with five bonus points. Um, If I look at it like uh, unit one, 2B2C, if I look at my uh, gohunt.com insider uh, non-resident draw statistics, like five points was a 19% draw last year. Um, I think like a 3A3C, uh, November 10th through 23rd, uh, you know, two points last year was 40%. Uh, so, you know, like a, 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 a unit one, a unit 3A3C, um, I go down here to, um, you, you know, you, you said you put in, well, I'm just looking at like um, a unit 7 west is 28%. Uh, a unit 8 is, well, 4 points was 32% and 7 points was 47%. Uh, but, you know, you look at unit 9 here on the late archery hunt with 5 points, you have a 19% chance of drawing. Granted, the elk are not bugling on these late archery elk hunts. But if you have a lot of time to really scout out the bulls and if it happens to be dry, um, you could be sitting water. And uh, if you're sitting water and it's really dry, you could have a heck of a hunt. I mean, I've heard of guys having, you know, five to ten bulls a day coming in uh, if you just find the right spot. Uh, Here with five points, like a unit 10, 32% chance. And then you, you mentioned here, Nate, in your email, uh, Unit 23, uh, late archery. Uh, last year, four points was 66%. Um, so I think uh, your idea, I, I'm not so sure I'm sold on the 18A late hunt as your first choice. Um, you know, I would probably go with like a 9 or a 10 or a Unit 1. I do like your 23 late uh, hunt. You know, I think 27 here uh, with five points last year was 23%. So you're you're looking at a you know a one in four odds on on a lot of these, and some of them some of them are even better. You know, closer to 50%. Um, on those late archery hunts, I would probably say uh, unit 27, unit 23, uh, unit 10, unit one, and then. Uh, you know, it's hard to hunt, you know, to not want to hunt unit nine. Um, probably if I was going to rank them, I'd probably say, 
uh, unit 23, unit 27, and unit 1 would probably be my top three choices with unit 9 and 10 uh, coming very close second there. Uh, I hope that helps you, Nate. And I uh, want to also encourage you guys, if you haven't checked out the Go Hunt Insider Draw Odds, uh, they have it broken down between non-resident and resident. And I think that's a huge deal um, that you can now go in and see where you stand against residents if you're a resident or a non-resident, uh, where some of these other um, point, uh, uh, you know, places where you can go and see how many points and stuff, what the draws are, it doesn't take into consideration resident and non-resident. So I think uh, that's where the Go Hunt Insider, one of the things that make this the Go Hunt Insider, in my mind, such a better resource. Uh, remember, if you use the J. Scott promo code, uh, you will get a $50 Kuyu gift card uh, immediately sent to you. And um, there's a lot of great things coming with the Go Hunt Insider uh, over the next couple of months that uh, they're going to be talking about and announcing. And I'm excited uh, uh, to share this stuff with you. Got a email um, question here from uh, Daniel. Daniel says, uh, first off, I love your, your podcast. Uh, my buddy Mike speaks very highly of you. It's been a great resource for a relatively new hunter. I have a couple questions regarding this upcoming elk draw. I have seven points uh, as a resident, and I'm considering a mid-tier unit for early archery. I've never hunted elk or killed anything with a bow. I'd love to go with an outfitter. Um, I don't care about rack size. I really just want the rut experience to learn and some meat to fill the freezer. I greatly appreciate your time. Um, do you guide in the mid-tier units? Uh, will I have a problem finding a guide given my limited archery success? Uh, I've only been shooting for three or four years. I've looked, uh, I've looked at the go hunt draw odds and see that last year I would have been, uh, max point for the sixes units. Uh, would you recommend those units or other mid-tier, uh, that I have decent odds like the fours and fives? Thanks, Dan. And Dan, I would say, um, I would recommend, uh, units like the 4A, 4B, uh, let's, let's look at the Gohan Insider here with seven points, uh, as a resident. Okay. Um, seven points as a resident, uh, you know, a unit 4B is like a 19% draw unit 4A is a 13% draw. Uh, unit uh, 5A is a 19% draw. 5B North is a 17. Um, you know, you get down in the sixes, like 6A, you were 100%. Uh, 6B, you were 100% last year with seven points. Now, like we've talked about with Brian Rimza before, if you put in a unit like a 6A as your second choice, and you're automatically in the bonus pass, meaning you have the amount of bonus points it's going to take to draw. They won't even look at your first choice. You will automatically draw unit 6A with seven bonus points. So you need to really make sure that 6A is a unit that you want to use your six bonus points. And you need to look at how many other hunters 
are in the unit. And that's one thing I would say about 6A is there's a lot of elk, but there's a lot of hunters. Um, You know, you might look at some of these other units that have less tags uh, and, you know, you might have a higher quality hunt like, you know, unit eight jumps out at me as 22% with seven points. Um, That's a much higher quality unit in my mind, quality experience because of less people uh, than say a 6A tag. Um, interesting, you look at, uh, you know, like a unit 10 with 17 bonus points, or excuse me, seven bonus points, you're at 17% draw. Um, so, you know, you might go for, you want to, you're asking me that, or you're telling me that you want to put in for a couple mid tier units. And I don't blame you for someone else with another strategy that had seven points They'd say, you know, I'll swing for the fence, like with a unit 10 with seven points and do, uh, you know, 17% chance. And then maybe I would go with a, uh, you know, one of these other, uh, units, like, let's see here, you know, like, a a, a 21 has 17% chance. Three B has a 15% chance. Actually, it's just jumping out at me that Actually, with seven points, unit ten only only seven. It's a seventeen percent draw. That's actually a really good success. Whereas, like in six B, um, with seven points, you would be a hundred percent. Or unit seven east, uh, you would be a hundred percent draw. Um, so you, you know you've got to watch putting in for a six B or a seven east as a second choice, and thinking, well, I'm going to swing for the fences with the unit ten at 17%, um, and then, and then, uh, put in for, you know, six B or seven East, which is a hundred percent chance to draw with seven points. You're automatically going to get that six B or seven E. So you might as well put in for six B or seven E as your first choice. Um, and like a four B is 19%, five A is 19%. Um, so I hope that helps you. I mean, there's two trains of thought. I, if I was wanting to get drawn, like you're saying with seven points, I would do two mid tier units. Uh, and, and then next, next year, when you go in, you'll only have your loyalty point. I would consider with that mentality of, you just want action. You just want to fill the freezer, put in for cow tags. Um, a lot of these great units have cow tags running right during the same time. And Granted, you can't shoot those big bulls, um, but you can uh, fill the freezer with a nice cow tag. So I uh, hope that answers your question. Here's a email coming in from Jason. He says, I'm listening to episode 238, uh, around 50 minutes. You guys talking about resident and non-resident putting in together and splitting points. Wouldn't this keep the application in the non-resident pool, in essence, hindering the resident on the application? Great job with the podcast, by the way. Yeah, Jason, you're exactly right. If if I, I believe Brian and I were talking about if someone had 20 points and someone had uh, zero points, you could actually put in together and they, the 20 points and the zero points would become 10 points. Uh, but if you do apply with a non-resident, you are in the non-resident pool. So in other words, you are subjected to non-resident draw odds. So if you're a resident, 
putting in with a non-resident usually is never a good idea unless you are the resident with much lower points and the non-resident has much higher points. So if you were the guy with zero as a resident and you knew someone that was a non-resident with 20, which I would ask why in the world was someone with 20 points put in with someone with zero. But interesting, I got a call yesterday from someone that I've talked to for several years uh, who's from the Midwest. And he says, Jay, I have 17 points I've been putting in for archery elk. And he said, I didn't know until you and Brian Rimza talked about on the last episode that you could uh, use the point guard, which is uh, the Game and Fish's uh, new kind of uh, vehicle, if you will, or mechanism that you can actually buy what's called the point guard for $5. So, so in essence, this guy was 17 points. His son has zero. So they would be applying together. They would buy the point guard for the person that has the 17 points, the dad. The dad can now put in with the son. So 17 and zero, they average that. So that's 17 points divided by two. That's eight and a half points. It rounds up. So that's going into this draw with nine points. Well, all of a sudden with nine points, the son of this guy that has 17 points can now apply for kind of a mid-range unit and have a chance to uh, draw an elk tag. When he draws the tag, then the dad can go ahead and use the point guard before the hunt starts and give the tag back. That also, the point guard also allows him to keep his current bonus points plus he gains a bonus point for the for this year. So in, now he has 17, he uses the point guard, they draw the tag, he gives the 17, he gives that back, he gets his 17 points plus another point, so 18. So next year, he can go right back into applying for himself and trying to draw a premium tag. But in essence, they were able to use his points for his son to draw a pretty darn good mid-tier elk unit in Arizona by just applying and using the point guard and giving that point, or excuse me, getting all of his points back, giving his tag back, and and just basically using those points, those high number of points to get his son a tag. Uh, so, uh, Jason, you're exactly right. It's not beneficial for non-resident to apply or for a resident to apply with a non-resident, except in the case, if the non-resident had a bunch of points and the resident didn't have very many, I'm glad you brought that up. It is a little misleading and thank you for the email. There's a question come in from Steven says, hi, I live in Idaho. I've never thought about hunting in Arizona. I'm 38 and would like to start putting in for points. Everything I hear, it's never too late to start putting in for points. I've been listening to your podcast and enjoy it very much. The one thing I have a question on is how much does a point cost and what is the actual procedure? I know the deadline is coming up next Tuesday and I don't have any plans hunting down there this year, 
but looking in the future five to 10 years and want to get a jump on it. Thank you very much for your time and all the great information on your podcast, Steve. Steve, I think I answered this question earlier uh, in this episode. Uh, In essence, I think you should be, if you want to have a chance to be hunting elk, you should be applying. But if you just want to do a bonus point, you can buy the non-resident hunting license for 150, 160 bucks, whatever it is. And then you can, you can do this all online at azgfd.gov. And it may be.com. I'm sorry, .gov or .com. Either one, check them out. Go on the Arizona Game and Fish website. You enter all your information in, say you want to buy a hunting license. Okay. Then you buy a hunting license and then you will, will have that hunting license. And then you can also apply for a bonus point. Or you can actually put in four units with with the new change in Arizona. I mean, I say swing for the fence and at least put in a couple of um, options uh, for for say archery elk or rifle elk, and um, you know try and draw the tag. If you know it doesn't hurt you to do that, uh, you have to decide whether you're going to do points or you're going to actually apply for hunts. You can't do you can't do both. You either have to just apply for points, or you actually have to apply uh, for a hunt. If you apply for a hunt, uh, then you have to uh, give your credit card number. And for people that are just trying to build points, that is one benefit. Is if you just buy bonus points, you just pay fifteen dollars for the application. You just buy the bonus point. You don't have to actually put up the money uh, for the elk tag. Um, and you don't have to put your credit card uh, information and you are not subject to being charged. Uh, so I, I hope that helps you. Go to azgfd.gov um, or .com. I'm sorry, I don't know which one it is. And just follow the directions and purchase your bonus point and be consistent because after five years of doing that, you're actually going to be given a loyalty point. Um, and that loyalty point stays with you. If you happen to miss any year uh, within that five-year span, they take your loyalty point away. So if you've, you're, you're saying here in your email that you're looking in the future five to ten years and you want to get a jump on it, um, that's a good way to stay consistent and be, be an elk hunter in the state of Arizona in the next five to ten years. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. I want to thank you guys for your support. Uh, I need your help on iTunes. Uh, Please go on and give us a rating. Uh, Please give me a rating uh, on iTunes, a five-star rating. Please leave positive comments. That helps uh, my placement uh, on iTunes. Uh, I really appreciate uh, those of you that have left uh, some reviews and I wanted to go ahead and read a couple of those uh, for you guys and I want it to be honest you know I, I if uh, I'm not just telling you to go leave a review um, if, if you feel like I'm doing a good job a good honest review is something that uh, that I appreciate let me read you a few of the reviews here Great podcast, MM77TTRF says, My favorite podcast with great info for Western Big Game Honey. Thanks for the great podcast, Julius. 
uh, February 2nd, 2017. Jay, thanks for producing so much awesome content. I'm an Eastern hunter, but love learning about Western hunting and fishing. Keep it up. A great podcast, MT Quiver. Jay Scott provides the best info for Westing, Western hunter, excuse me, for Western hunting, period. Honest and straightforward without the sales pitch. Uh, another one, great, uh, grab a notepad. Uh, Buck Recon says, the one podcast for everyone looking to fulfill their dream of hunting Western big game, predators, wild turkey, and everything in between. I now have the ammo I need to make a future Western hunt a remarkable experience. Thank you, Jay, and guests. Great info. Uh, Trevor says, I've been listening to Jay since the third podcast. He knows a ton about hunting and fishing out West. His guests are awesome, and you learn something every single episode. Highly recommend. Uh, Another one, C. Davis. Great podcast and great guy. This is the best hunting podcast I've found. Jay Scott is not only very up-to-date on current hunting trends, but he's also a great guy. He also has great people on the podcast with very helpful information. Another one here, KG1734. Great discussions and education for the novice hunters like myself. Everything from glassing to what to what gear to bring and reviews on products. Uh, would like to hear a podcast specifically about things uh, to think about or do on glassing a buck, then turning that into a successful stock. Thanks, Jay. Great stuff, man. Uh, so guys, right here on iTunes, you can go and uh, very easily uh, leave a review. Uh, make sure you also hit the subscribe button. If you hit the subscribe button, then every time I download a new podcast, uh, it will be waiting for you on your device. And again, I thank you guys for your loyal support of this podcast. Uh, I want to thank my sponsors, Go Hunt Insider. Obviously, I talked about it earlier. You can use the J. Scott promo code to sign up for Insider and get uh, all of these unbelievable uh, statistics and draw odds. Uh, you can be part of their hunt giveaways for just being an Insider member. You get a $50 Kuyu gift card when you use the J. Scott promo code when signing up. I also like to thank Phonescope.com. Uh, Cheston and his crew at Phonescope, they uh, take uh, any optic, any any bino, any spotting scope and adapt that to any phone. And uh, you can get some unbelievable images. You can check them out at uh, Phonescope on Instagram. You can go to phonescope.com and get a 10% discount when you use the promo code JSCOTT16. Uh, and I'd also like to thank the Outdoorsmans. Uh, they're the optics authority. If you're looking at buying any sort of optics, uh, rifle scope, spotting scope, uh, binocular, uh, tripods, backpacks, they've got a ton of great gear at the Outdoorsmans. Uh, their phone number is 1-800-291-8065. Uh, you can go on outdoorsmans.com. You can either call or go on the website if you use the J. Scott uh, promo code, you're going to get 10% off on uh, the, the Outdoorsman's products there. So uh, guys, I want to thank you for supporting this podcast. I want to encourage you to follow me on Instagram uh, at jscottoutdoors. Please hashtag any of your photos with the jscottoutdoors uh, or hashtag jscottoutdoors podcast. I love looking at the photos, uh, all the great successful hunts and um uh, follow me on on uh, uh, Facebook. Follow me on Instagram, and um, I just uh, really su- uh, appreciate all of the 
um, loyalty that you guys show to my podcast and my Instagram page. Uh, Until next time, guys, God bless. And don't forget, uh, February 14th, uh, 7 p.m., Arizona Game and Fish is the deadline. So, um, you know, I highly recommend this weekend get your applications in for elk and antelope.